Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about time about. for Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters. Buenos dias. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. I can barely hear either of us. Oh, I'm hearing me good. Really? Real good. I know that was improper grammar. Morning, Jim. Uh, maybe it was just my volume. Morning, Jason. There we go. Morning, Dan. Good morning, morning. Dan. <laughs> How are you guys? Just getting settled in here. Spectacular this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely spectacular. Excellent. Yeah. Well, it's the big graduation weekend, right? Mm-hmm. It is. Oh. Yeah. Tons of people in town. Yeah. This one's not Father's Day, right? No. Mm, no. Nice. It's usually on Father's Day weekend. Yeah. That's why I just started to think that. But, but because that first weekend was like the first. No, no. Monday was the first, so it kind of threw things off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Everything's a little out of whack. Yeah. Father's Day's next weekend. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. congratulations to all the graduates, all the parents of graduates. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yeah. What, <laughs> what is your, your kid's My graduate? daughter my daughter was promoted from kindergarten. Yeah. What's I'm seeing promotion now this year. <laughs> is that a new thing? Now I you don't get know promoted. That it's terribly new. I think mm. it's been that way since my kids have been in school. Mm. If you have promotion true. from one grade. Oh class. right, I forgot. This is the generation where they need accolades for everything oh, constantly, yeah. at all times. In all seriousness, <laughs> though, this was like the first um, of the kids that didn't have a kindergarten promotion ceremony. Oh, they didn't need they that did not affirmation. Do that no, at my daughter's school. Are they going to be okay? And next my year? wife is all upset about it. It's our last kid, and I'm never going to have a kindergartner again. And I'm like, none of those were enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> like a, It's like herding cats, man, and all the kids are all shy. It's just another thing. I don't get it. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. I thought, I mean, growing up, my reward was always just not having to go to school the next day. Right? There you go. <laughs> I, was, I don't need a ceremony. I just don't want to go to school. In fact, I can I skip the ceremony and start my summer that much earlier? Right. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how I felt about it. You and successfully I, completed kindergarten, and you don't have to go to school tomorrow. That's great. There yeah, you go. I love it. Praise God, right? Yesterday, my, my oldest boy, who's um, going to be an eighth grader now, said... Uh, Dad, don't you wish you had two months off starting today? <laughs> yeah, son, yeah. I do. That would be pretty cool. That would be great. Yeah, but your, your eighth grader is like, yeah, two months off starting today, and here's some things we need to have done around the house. Right. <laughs> yeah, Occupy your time there, kid. <laughs> there's a lot to do. Always a lot to do. And summertime starts eating season in my house. Just having those little dudes off at school for several hours a day cuts down on the amount of food consumed. So the grocery bill like doubles for the summer months. That's fun. (laughs) Eating season. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because they, you know, during the week they get bored with lunch. So you can't convince them to eat breakfast or take anything to school to eat. But then in the summertime, I mean, they're there. The kitchen's there. It's eating time. I don't know. 
That's fun. <sighs> so, what's going on? Do you want to talk about mortgage stuff at all? Real estate things? I thought that'd be fun. Yeah. I thought we could do that. I was... Uh, we started to get a little bit better yesterday in the interest rate market, and then it... it yeah, we did. Didn't want to do that the whole day, though. That's all right. Last couple days last week were... Um, this week that just ended were, were good. They were welcome. I, uh, I was happy. We the, were getting pretty close to... The 10-year finished off at 2.39. That's good. Compared it to where is? we were. Compared to where we were. This is the... It's just like gas prices. Finished the week lower. Than it started. Yep. So overall positive movement. You're yeah. Happy there. Well, and what do you attribute it to, Dan? Some buns? Every time I read about the German Bund, yeah, I feel it's like, like it's a typo. I And I, I start to think that that stuff's just the kind of on par with the weather justification. <laughs> I don't know how much that really plays into it. I guess it, it has everything factors in a little bit, but it just, I don't know. The, the run up in rates, which now is close to three-eighths of a point, I guess, in the last two weeks, three weeks, um, which is still a pretty fast move, pretty pretty big move in a short period of time. I read this it morning premature. that the feds now think rates could go up in as little as three months. So I have some... I'm like, hey, guys, newsflash, they just went up. Yeah, right. <laughs> You've been talking about it enough that you scared everyone. So now rates are going up. So here's the up to the minute expectations. Okay. And this is it's these ex, these expectations aren't just something to laugh at, you know. These these are actually expectations of the people that move the markets. These are the traders that are on Wall Street that are making the moves that are causing rates to move before the Fed decides they're going to. Um, current market expectations of a rate hike are low for the June meeting, um, only 3.7% probability that we'll see a Fed rate hike in June. How much? 3.7%. That's really low. Yeah. I would not bet on that. September, a, a rate hike in September, there's a 29% probability. Which will be revised lower come like July and August and the <laughs> first weeks of September. And then an 83% probability for a rate hike to occur by December. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but the last time there was a that the Fed started to move rates was back in, I think it was 2004. And there was roughly a 4% probability going into that meeting the month prior, and they moved them. And they did it. Yeah, so... Historically, at least in the recent history, the so the market experts the, have a bad have a have a they're not good at predicting Fed rate movement. Huh. Granted, there's more transparency that, now. That so. was under Greenspan. We're well, it was a completely so different time. Three Fed chairs ago. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. But yeah, so so the the highest expectation is for December to be the date. To be the, the first Fed rate movement. Well, I'll be glued to my computer on 
Wednesday when the news comes out just just to know whether or not they raised rates. And then after that, we'll all have to wake up in the morning and keep going about our business. <laughs> whether they do or don't. Whether right? they do or <laughs> they don't. I What's killing me is just truly this, you know, the anticipation is greater than the deed. Well, As think, most of the time is yeah. true. Today, we just now, that's all we can talk about. When When's this going to happen? All the news needs to be like, um, you know, quickly hear what stat or, you know, economic data you have. And then now make your best guess on what spin to give that to how it's going to impact the Fed's uh, likelihood of increasing rates at the next meeting. Well, I think the other big component that's not being talked about right now is the pace of increases. I mean, what if they come out and say we're going to raise the Fed interest rate by a quarter and we're going to leave it there for a year? I think rates might actually go down from where they, they are would. today. Sure. Well, and, you know, I had the this idea. The Feds were telling us a month ago, and this was how I interpreted it anyway. I realize there's always everybody kind of reads what they say and tries to best figure out what it means. I felt like the feds were trying to tell us a month ago that the economy is not as sluggish as we think it is. I really think that's the, the underlying tone. I do think that, you know, there's the little soft spots, little things that need some help. You see the inflation. It's not quite doing what you want, but the job market's going pretty good. Uh, housing market's going pretty good. Uh, everything feels really on U.S. turf like we're doing okay. We got recently some good data about the trade deficit, um, which is going to make the second quarter GDP a little bit stronger. We saw that pretty strong dollar. Um, I think I, I could go either way. I, I really don't believe the feds are going to raise rates right away, but if they did, I can't say that I'd be terribly surprised. And I know I keep saying this, but by and large, it's I got to go back to how I felt about when they announced their first round of um, the the QE three tapering. I really thought there's no way in December. I mean, if you recall, we were in between Fed chairs, so why would they do this? You know, right then at this meeting, it just didn't make sense. December had a bad jobs report. Um, most people didn't believe that's when the announcement would come, and then there it was anyway. So I got to remind myself that no matter what we think about the the short-term uh, stuff here, these guys are thinking a lot further down the road, trying to change the course of this economy six months from now, and that they're likely to make some decision that may not make sense to me at the given time. My memory is foggy. Did they announce the tapering in June or in December? Well, in June, they said they were going to do it, but it was just unclear as to when they would do it. And December was the first month where they came out of the meeting, said we're officially they said reducing how much? by $10 billion. Hmm. Yeah. Just five. got me thinking, what if, what if they come out at the June meeting and say, in December, we're going to start raising rates? Yeah. I mean, what if what, they gave us that kind of headway? I think like, that would change things a little bit. How so? For the I, better or the worse? I think I think the markets are expecting the Fed to come out and say, next month we're doing this. You know, whenever it is, whether it's June, September, December, I think that's what the that's what the expectation is, is that they're going to come out and say, we're going to do this and it's going to be fairly immediate. But what if they come out and say, six months from now we're gonna do we're gonna make this move? 
I think then the markets would relax a little bit and and wait for that. Just ease into it. Yeah. And well, then they know. Well, what one thing we know about the markets always is that uncertainty is really the the nastiness of it. Just not knowing what to expect makes it to where you kind of got to expect the worst. And it creates some volatility, which I think is partly what we saw this week in the bond market. I think it has less to do with what's going on overseas and more to do with just the general volatility of, of the uncertainty of, of the times. Hey, last week on the show, we talked a little bit about the jobs report that came out um, for the prior month here. And all in all, a pretty great read. I mean, it, it basically showed 280,000 jobs, which means that um, we're seeing a gain over 250,000 jobs added per month so far this quarter. Those are some pretty great numbers. Um, you remember when Janet Yellen was, we were kind of first getting oriented with her and, and what's on her radar. And um, I got to say, that's the first that I've seen anybody put any significant emphasis on the jolts, um, that job opening, labor, What's the T? Turnover. Turnover survey. survey. Yeah. Right. Um, so the the jolts this month, did you happen to see this? I did. Um, the, <laughs> on the Business Insider, they start this article off with, the labor market is rolling. <laughs> um, I like that a lot. But this is one of the, um, the most job openings since... Um, December of 2000, and also the number of separations fell, um, you know, down from 5.06 million to 4.8. Um, the quits rate, which is seen as an indicator of employee confidence, also fell slightly, um, it, you know, from the, the month of March to April. But bottom line is it, it it's, we're sure starting to believe that not only is there quite a bit of jobs being added to the economy, but the workers getting more confident too. Um, we're looking for more workers in the workforce. They're finally beginning to make a little bit more money, um, but it looks like the the market labor wise is getting to a pretty solid place. Um, we have a pretty good grasp on what's going on real estate wise within the market. There's a shortage in about every market in America right now, which has got upward pressure on prices. But altogether, the the rate that we're building and starting to build and turning over these homes is a, is pretty acceptable to most people. So we keep saying it's all about housing and jobs, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and of course, jobs and housing. So um, next Wednesday, would you be totally shocked to find out that they said rates are going up a little bit? I wouldn't be totally shocked. I'd be surprised, not shocked. I think we're ready for it. Yeah, I'm. I'm ready for it. I. I think. I think it would be good to get on a scheduled on a schedule on a path for where rates are heading, rather than remaining at this low. But at the same point, I I see why they're likely not going to, and it has more to do with inflation, with the. The dollar trade with the trade deficit, those kinds of things, I think, um, in the short term would be negatively impacted by rising interest rates. 
Yeah, because of what I do for a living and its dependency on low interest rates, I find myself always erring on the side of wanting to root for low rates. Um, but I'm always reminded, one of the economists that we had on the show uh, a little more than a year ago talked a bit about that, the Fed's arsenal, you know, what are the tools in the tool bag for influencing the economy? And we sort of deployed all of them through this recession. I mean, from the bailout packages to the buying to the low interest rates, the stimulus programs, we did tax breaks. We had all these different things to really spur this economy on. And we, at one point, had all tricks deployed at once, meaning really that if the economy needed any more fine-tuning or any more encouragement, um, there isn't really something more that could be done because you've got – you know, fiscal and monetary policy just sort of flapping in the wind as you attempt to do anything to revive the economy. And today we're starting to put those tools back in the bag now. We're getting to a point like, like, look, we've been now how many months out of um, the bond stuff? It's been about a, a year, really, since the, the tapering the stuff of the concluded. Yeah. So that being said... If the if we hit a major road bump in the economy, We've got that like say for example, again. you pump yeah. rates up and all of a sudden you stall out, there's not enough wind over the wings, you could nose down by dropping the rates back down. And if that cannot gain airspeed, then you could begin doing some purchasing type of things again. And and don't you think that there's at least potential that when you pull the string, you you just might get a an outcome that isn't exactly desired. Um yeah, I, I'll go full circle on it and just to go back to say that it's the volatility that's killing me. The, the one day up, one day down, um, two days up, one day down kind of thing. That's just it's exhausting. And it would be nice if we had a little bit more confidence in what to expect in the business environment going forward. And I, if anything, I think the Feds probably view this volatility right now and see that concern might actually draw them to move to do something sooner than later. Well, it's inevitable. So it's part of me is like, a why wait? For us, you know, really focusing in on our day-to-day -day business activities, when we're meeting with clients, advising them on, on interest rates and determining one of the big things that we do um, in a in a loan transaction is lock your interest rate. And there's discussion. Sometimes there's not much discussion about it. People don't have a strong opinion. They don't care. They just want to do whatever it is today. Other people care more. They want to get the absolute best deal during their 30-day window as possible. And so you're constantly going back and forth and determining when is that perfect moment. When you're in a more predictable environment, which really it's only a history easier. can tell you right. when the perfect moment was. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because you got it or you missed it. And the volatility doesn't make that job any easier. No. But if we're on a scheduled path of rate increases, it's pretty easy to predict. You want to do it sooner than later because right. tomorrow is going to be higher. Well, and Dan, you <laughs> mentioned to me this week too, as the the ten year yield was flirting with two point five. Do you think two point five is where the the train just goes runaway, and there are people certainly that say that there's software built into these, uh, or the 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 buy or sell points of these programs are built over thresholds, and you might just as you crest that threshold, you just have something radical you trigger begin. Sell. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, um, and so I just I look at that stuff, and I'm like, I, that part of it is the part that's so hard to manage. And it would be nice to know that we were just on a course and that everyone was going to 
Um, just kind of have to hunker down and make do with what you got. So perhaps the feds consider that when they meet next week. And maybe that's why when even though economists least expect that rate hike, like you said, back in 2004, they least expect it. But the feds go ahead and deploy that. Um, and maybe that's why just to smooth the volatility out and to to break the ice with, hey, this isn't going to sting as bad as you think. It's going to actually be okay. And and we've had that that overnight rate is between zero and a quarter percent right now, which it has been for years, which is effectively zero. Um, how much is truly going to change when we go from quarter to half? Not, Not much. very much at all. But what, what it means, though, is that the sentiment – regarding the stimulus the economy needs is beginning to shift and everybody just has to kind of warm up to that we're entering the next phase of the cycle and the next phase of the cycle means you're going to have a little bit higher interest rates but relax it means you're going to make a little bit more on your savings it means that we should probably experience some inflation. So if you own a home and you took advantage of the low rates, you're going to be in a good spot as we sort of get into that net next cycle, which, to be honest with you, even though it's it feels kind of phantom, is one of the ways that wealth is created. Um, so to, it'll just be interesting to see how it un unfolds. And I trust we'll still be here to, to talk about it and uh, – just like the tapering component to look back on it and remember um, what we expected and why and, and what what caused us to feel the way we did. And then once it was finally revealed how it will how it really goes down. Um, and I do. I think it'll be full of surprises and the volatility in the market makes me realize most people are accepting that there's going to be surprises. Predict for me what's going to happen on Wednesday. I'm so gun shy to even say now, because like I said, I, over that tapering thing, I was so taken aback. I, I was confident. Yes I mean, or no? Um, rate hike for uh, for Wednesday? No. I'm gonna. I'll say no, but I think we're gonna see a change in the verbiage that suggests that it's imminent and and rather imminent. And um, you know, I. I I want to stick with no, no rate hike. You? I, I feel like I've been convinced. I think they're going to do it. You want to just go yes? I think they're going to do it. We have a dissenter. <laughs> Jim, what do you think? <laughs> it's just yes or no. You can pick uh, you one. Know, and it's kind I of like letting... You don't even of, need to know the question. You just have to say yes or no. no. It's kind of like letting the <laughs> no. puppy, you know, pick the Super Bowl winner by right. what bowl of dog food it goes to. <laughs> it actually has no bearing on the outcome, so it's only fun for the onlookers. <laughs> Good times. Hey, guys, it's uh, just before 930 now. Um, we're going to go ahead and take the first commercial break. I want to remind you that if you guys want to get in on the conversation, you can. The number to the studio is 543-8830. 543-8830. Stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. 
For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. We recently made the jump to direct lender. That's right. Now we can do your loan in-house, but we still broker too. We choose based on getting the best loan terms for you. We don't know what to call it yet, but you'll call it amazing. Central Coast Lending. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Hello, welcome back. Thanks so much for being with us. It's the uh, graduation weekend, so congratulations to all the graduates out there. Hopefully you get your ceremonies done early in the day before the heat kicks in. It was already 70 this morning when I left Atascadero. Yeah, I thought, I as I was driving in, I saw that nice blanket of <clears throat> cloud cover over the Cal Poly area and thought, man, they're lucky. I remember my graduation. In the hot The sun, sun. was just beating down. We were there for what was it three hours or something two hours out in the sun just listening our our speaker wasn't great it wasn't it wasn't ozzy smith no it wasn't it was some guy who was talking about the railroad and it was the most boring speech the railroad <clears throat> yeah huh. he's trying to yeah he's trying to be deep and i think you weren't he lost us. deep he didn't yeah. know that you guys all got up at like dawn and went drinking <laughs> we didn't <laughs> We're just up late the night before. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was uh, looking here at this article. I was getting a kick out of this. One of my favorite sites here, Realtor.com. Do you ever check it out? No. It's very... Um, They're making a big uh, marketing push, I've noticed lately. Lately? Last, last three months, six months. Kind of a marketing organization. Kind of? Kind of. <laughs> just it's like rah rah now's a great time yeah, to buy. get off that <laughs> fence there tough guy um but check this out man 
Um, the uh, Association of Realtors suggesting that the housing market is on track for its best year since 2006. And they're carefully saying that it's not a bubble. Um, and I'll read through you some of the areas within this article that I bolded. I think it's kind of interesting. Um, job growth is empowering the surge in demand for homes. Would you expect that to be the first component for support as to why this year is better than any other? Sure. Yeah, that's a good place to start. More than 3 million jobs have been created in the last 12 months, and more than a million of those jobs have been created for people that are 25 to 34, which is the um, the range where most Americans buy their first home. So there's a whole extra million people in there that just got a, a good job ready to buy. Um, of course, they cite the excellent traffic that they've got through Realtor.com as another indication as to why this thing's getting knocked out of the park, but also talking about the rate at which homes are selling. Um, the median age of inventory, um, which is translated into um, you know days that a home is on the market. Nationwide, what would you think it is? Days homes are on the market. I would think nationwide, we're probably looking at about 60 days. Dang, you're good. You should do a show <laughs> where you like, where you get down on this. Yeah, 66 days. Um, and by the way, to kind of put that into context, that's eight days faster than the preceding year. So um, was up in the 70-day range for the prior year. Hmm. Um, also, uh, well, and you couldn't discuss this without um, tying together a couple of other themes here that are going to support this number even more. Um, you got to first of all wonder if it's a bubble and then – question within that like is this a bubble and whether or not you say yes i don't care um is the current rate of appreciation an alarming rate and the answer is probably yes however um it's still cheaper to buy than rent in 80 percent of counties in the u.s so there's still um, the affordability errors on the side of owning versus renting. And that's kind of a strange thing because we don't really see that around here too much, do we? Um, it's close. However... Depends on down payment. Let me just tell you about a client that I'm working with this week who was encouraged by his employer to acquire a house in Memphis, Tennessee. Buy a house just this calendar year. You can go do it today, in fact, if you'd so like to. For $85,000 um, was purchased as an investment property merely for the, the cash flow of rent. Um, this thing with the property taxes and insurance and everything impounded into the loan is $430 a month. Rents received in Memphis for that house are about $775 a month. So there, that that's a great example of a place where it's simply more affordable to buy than to rent. One has to ask yourself, why doesn't everybody buy there? Must be a complex, must be a much more complex answer than um, any that I'm prepared to give right now. I do not understand that, but it that's the lay of the land. Um, and, and suggesting really that in 80% of the markets, um, 80% of the counties within the U.S., it is actually cheaper 
for somebody to buy than to rent. So you can't worry too much that you have runaway price appreciation as long as within the affordability, it still is a better play for homeowner to buy than to rent, right? What you queuing up there, Jim? Man. I just I just uh, googled uh, house prices in Memphis, Tennessee, and one hundred eighty four thousand dollars for this house. That, that does not look not, like a starter no, kind of I mean, rent. That, that, that's a mansion. Not, yeah, it was like a mansion. You would not even be able to touch it for that here. No. And what does it say about this house? Maybe we should all move to Memphis. Yeah, handsome, well-maintained home. And we should go there arms. first and see what it's <laughs> like. See if you like it. Yeah. See how bad the skeeters are. And it's like, you know, it's been worked on fairly recent. A shower renovation in 2012. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a heck of a house. I told you I'm reading. Um, I'm, I'm sharing with you, regurgitating with you this uh, article as seen on Realtor.com. Concluding paragraph. And now the clock is ticking as mortgage oh. rates are on the rise. With strong employment data in April and May, the average 30-year fixed rate broke through the 4% level. This past week moved up around 4.1. That's kind of true. That's about that's about what we're working with. Um, <clears throat> is that going to slow down demand? Nope. Just the opposite. Consumers can clearly see that affordability is going down for real. So those who are ready and able are searching for homes, looking at listing, viewing open houses, applying for mortgages, and signing contracts. So if you're not, what's wrong with you? That's how I read that. It's kind of fun. <laughs> Don't you think? It's always a great time to buy real estate. Right. You said something last week that really resonated with me well after the show. And oh? on last week's show, you said it. <clears throat> and I don't know exactly how you said it, but basically you said in our side of the business that it's so much more objective. Yeah, oh yeah. It's math. It's math. It really comes down to math. You're, And especially on the refinance side. On yeah. a purchase, you're either buying a home or you're not. Totally. And if you're buying a home, you either need a loan or you don't. Right. So... You know, that's a pretty, there's no talking you into it. You either need it or you don't. And you pretty much know that. Right. Um, on the refinance side, it's all about the the tangible benefit to the, the borrower. The cost benefit analysis. In fact, you can't even complete a loan if you can't justify the benefit to the borrower. Sure. There's a, There are rules in place that say, you have to prove to me why this is a good idea for this person. Yep. Are they saving money on their payment? Are they lowering their loan term? Are they, Are they getting, getting out of, of mortgage, mortgage insurance? insurance? I mean, there's these things have to be proven in order to move forward with the well, loan. Well, yeah, unless you're like, you know, getting an ex-spouse off of the deed or something like that. But there's that. a but, purpose But there. even still, yeah, you got to have a compelling reason why you're doing what yeah. you're doing. You can't just talk some, some gullible borrower into a bad deal. It's right. not allowed. The industry won't allow that to happen. So it really is a very objective decision. We weigh out the numbers, sure. the rationale behind why, and it, it pretty much makes obvious sense. Yeah, yeah. you might be pre presented a few options, but moving forward either makes sense or it doesn't mathematically. Yeah, that's exactly right. Unfortunately, on our side of the fence, I think the whole thing gets really convoluted as you attempt then to compare competing lenders. 
that's where it's like it's very different. You're not gonna get like lined up where you got six different sellers like telling you, you know, why that other house is a piece of crap and you should go with their house or something. Um, knowing full that's and by I'm shocking myself with such a great analogy because by and large, most lenders are not qualified to say even the hue of grass on that other side. I mean, yeah, mathematically you can go in and compare what their offering is for the 30 year fix today or something, but service level wise and accountability wise and performing on time and not raising the deal the last minute kind of thing. All those little things are um, awfully difficult to, to, to calculate without a warm referral or knowing something more about it. But um yeah, so uh, lending's a funny game, and it's also quite simple, you know? it. Yeah, it, I do. I love it that it is. It's mathematical. It comes on back to it of, you know, oh, yeah. In this one, you're going to save $18.01 per month. Is that good enough? No? Okay, That's I didn't think so. And what else do you want to talk about? <laughs> it's not really a how-do-you-feel kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it's already um, 9.40. It's time for the uh, the second commercial break of this hour. You got the new stuff queued up now? Part of the new stuff? I got part of the new stuff queued up. Cool. We've got new commercials. That's very exciting. Before we take a break, just really quickly, I know that there's graduation stuff happening all weekend long, but we're here for another hour and 15 minutes. So if you'd like to call in and ask a question we'll be here for you we don't have anywhere to be other than here in fact we have to be here well i have a tea time after the show today but <laughs> right. okay. but you can call us here live in the studio at 543-8830 543-8830 now for those brand new commercials mortgage matters with host dan and jason will be right back join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832 this is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. I see you at our kids' Little League games. I bump into you at the grocery store, and it's always fun when we pass each other at Farmer's Market. I'm not a national bank or a faceless website. I'm a local lender, accountable, competitive, and ready to help. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328358. The state of denial is a drag. And a trial when I bought my cheap insurance. Should've known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. 
For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Welcome back. Such a great song. I really like that song a lot. Yeah. A lot of graduates are happy today, that's for sure. Oh, that's why you yeah. picked that, isn't it? Finals are over. Term papers are done. Welcome to, to the real world. world. Trade that <laughs> backpack in for a briefcase. There it is. <laughs> and then watch your hair start to turn gray. Yeah. Do people still use briefcases? Sure. Yeah? Yeah. Do any? Does anyone... Our age use a briefcase. Mm-hmm. Sure. I don't know anyone my age using a briefcase. Well, Dan, I'm sad to open you to this idea, but we're becoming the briefcase age. Um, At what point can you no longer have your your stuff in a in a backpack? Oh, guys yeah. like you and I will forever. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, actually, basically, you're you're. Well, and I know it's, there it's are your serving the same yeah. function. But when I was at my, is there a point where I'm going to start carrying like a leather-bound, handled mm-hmm. box? When or? I was at my economic advisory committee meeting the other day, there was a couple of gentlemen in there with a briefcase. Wow, one of which was um, Lee Johnson. Yeah, but he's older. Yeah, but what? Ten Sorry, years? Lee. I don't know if Lee listens. Ten years, maybe he's not yeah. that much older. He just called you an old man, Lee. But he, You're out there listening. He opened it up, and, and I got a glimpse into what's carried in there. Because, you know, like my wife carries a purse, and I'm like, for the life of me, I do not know what's in that thing. And a lot of it's just excessive junk. waste, junk, and trash. There's like receipts and various lip ointments. Mm. and like <laughs> See, that's where we got it up on the women. We carry yeah. one of these things around. A wallet. A yes. wallet. And everything we possibly need in here. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I got a glimpse into this briefcase. What's in there? So there I was, peering in like a nosy neighbor. What is it? <laughs> There's gum. That's helpful. I have no gum in my wallet. Yeah. Oh, ooh, reading glasses appear to be different than the ones he's wearing right now. That's interesting, too. A couple manila pads. And then I was like, that's it. <laughs> I don't see anything else in there. It's not even like a ruler or a calculator or like a lab set. (laughs) I started to wonder once you take that plunge and start carrying that briefcase, do you sometimes have to bring it? Just not knowing if in the day you might find things that need to be put into the briefcase for transport. See, I don't think a briefcase is laptop friendly. 
They can be. Can they? They have like a. They make they some. Can strap them down. Yeah, they make some sweet new ones where yeah, there's a, like a laptop thing inside your briefcase. You I know what to get cool. you for Christmas. And, and they have. Um, yeah, there's also some that are like charger types. Oh. So that when you put your phone or your laptop into your briefcase, it's charging it as you're like cruising. Mm. I'm not that big time yet. I, I mean, I, I and I don't mind just throwing my stuff in my backpack. Just seems it seems like they throw off your sense of balance too. <laughs> I mean, it's all on one side, whereas a backpack you can well, that's why you need that a, weight. That's why you need a V8 keep you from <laughs> leaning to that briefcase side. Did you remember those commercials? I yeah, loved those wow. commercials when I was a kid. Hit your, <laughs> wow! Hit your head in the self in the head. There you go. That's pretty funny. For all you radio people, I just hit myself on the head. Three times, very nonetheless. <laughs> Three times. Yeah. First, uh, you got a pretty good like cheek like the Uh-oh. first time, and then I thought maybe you were trying to replicate Uh-oh. it the next one. Now we need yeah. the trainer to go yeah. through concussion yeah. protocol. Make right. sure you can continue on with this show. Yeah, I think I can. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I got caught up in this article. Now we just got to talk about it. About kitchens? Um, yeah, I'm on Realtor.com <laughs> still. Um you the titles today to these articles are where it's at. Um, so I just I'm just gonna just give you straight up uh, title here verbatim. I hate open kitchen plan. And oh. amazingly, I'm no longer the only one. I'd click that. I clicked it. Oh, do you now? Because <laughs> I have an open kitchen plan house. Um, interestingly enough, some of the points made here, I kind of think I could agree with. Some of the points I don't. Um, let's see. In the cons or the, yeah, the cons to the open kitchen column here. Um, my living room furniture no longer smells like bacon. <laughs> Is that a good thing? I guess. <laughs> see that though you know the kitchen used to be the place that was kind of sealed off where like the magic happened but i feel like it's a an outdated practice to make the kitchen some little cave where you don't uh have any interaction with it because we don't have wait staff and uh a cook and all that stuff going on in there um to in i mean at least in my demographic um, when you come to my house, man, the host is the cook and gathering around the kitchen is sort of where it is. And it keeps that person from being excluded, whoever it is that, um, and oftentimes there are multiple people, even that come over, kind of take advantage of assembling their salad on the Island or something. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not just the host. Sometimes the guests are preparing, you know, yeah. doing a potluck kind of thing, preparing in your kitchen. Said this. Uh, this article says the number one thing I hear when walking through houses is, um, "Is this load bearing? Is this wall load bearing? Could we remove it?" And it's generally um, a house, you know, talking about a wall within a house that would open the kitchen to the living space. So that's kind of interesting. Um, and then this person also writes, much to her chagrin. Um, having an open kitchen plan would actually increase the value of your home. So I get all the way down to the end of this, and I'm like, look, you that knucklehead. Seems like they're supporting why you'd want People an open like kitchen. People like it. The number one question is, how do I open this kitchen? And it increases the value of your property. Uh, you're not actually gaining a lot of support from me or others here now with your article, it sounds like you're just disagreeable to what the new <laughs> cultural norm is 
for how people want to use their kitchen within their living space. Did they ever come up with anything that resembled a, you know, a, a reason why the closed up, the, the compartmentalized kitchen is better? Well, yeah, because it's a well thought out separate space. Can't it be well thought out while it's open? Mm-mm. No, not, not possible. <laughs> no. There you go thinking again, Dan. Uh, and then here we Stop go. Stop doing that. I feel like I have a well-thought-out, open-concept kitchen in my house. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, and please don't take it as a direct attack. <laughs> um, this is an actual quote here. People think they should love open-plan kitchen because they've been told to love them. Um, says Merson, who thinks galley-style kitchens are underrated. They can be fine for low-impact prep like chopping, but real cooking is messy work and requires a great deal of concentration. See, I don't like galley-style kitchens. Me either. No. Because you know why? you got to go through the kitchen to get to every other place in the house. Well, yeah. It sucks. Not only that, but the, the other component to it is is um, oftentimes my experience in a galley-style kitchen is yeah. narrow enough that if – if you're standing here chopping mm. and I'm behind you washing dishes yeah. and somebody needs to walk through or open a cabinet or yeah. swing open the fridge, complete transportation is now obstructed yeah. um, and everyone's bumping into everyone. Yeah. Um, well, and you got to think about it. Okay. You got, you got kids, Jason. How well does your wife like having the kids run through the kitchen in the galley? Stuff, um, not, not very right. much at all. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we do have an open, um, mm -hmm. planned kitchen in our house and, um, there's people in there like all the time. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's sort of like the, almost like the hub to yeah. the house, yeah. whether or not we're entertaining or having people over yeah. it's, it's kind of where it goes down. Interesting stuff. I keep thinking back to like I kind of want to make like the uh, the Italian example of this where you get your family together and when you get together you eat and drink and laugh and that's a it's all around the food thing which is uh, very closely attached to the kitchen. Uh, I I feel like that's kind of the um, one of the the family things. I wonder if the writer of this article is one of those like those grumpy loner people that just <laughs> wants to be in her galley kitchen. So she's not constantly reminded in the halls of misery <laughs> that there's no entertaining happening. Maybe that author just doesn't like to clean and they want to have a place where they can just have all their dirty dishes stack up and no one, no one see it. If you tend to do takeout or don't mind your mess being visible, then an open concept kitchen would work for you. See, or but if, if you're you into prepping after dinner, then... if you're into prepping elaborate meals and prefer to concentrate while cooking, then consider a space that's separate from your home's main living areas. Like that's silly to me. Yeah. Um, my wife at times feels like a short order cook in my house, you know, pleasing all these different people and she's willing to. So oftentimes, you know, if it, and, and she'll tell you, um, she might even call in in a minute here just to, uh, to chime in. Um, if she's not cleaning the previous mess or like prepping for the next one or making the next mess in the kitchen, there's a, it's like, it's in a constant state of, uh, needing from being wiped down to the time where you're going to sweep it and mop it. It's always a busy, uh, place. 
too much time may be spent in there. I'm not a big mopper myself, so. <laughs> you do the mopping in your house, Dan? No. No? I don't like mopping. Got to draw the line somewhere, huh? Put that foot down. I'm the dish doer. Oh. I do some dishes. Yeah? Yeah. With without the apron and gloves? Without. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Just toughen it up. Do you get that wet spot on your shirt? Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I hate dishes. <laughs> One day I'm going to be able to build myself my <clears throat> own house, and I'm going to have a sink that's at like 50-something inches so that I can do dishes without my back screaming. I don't know why we build houses that have these... Uh, you know, well, I know why. Because average people aren't 6'4", I guess. We designed everything for people that are like 5'10". You're tall. I'm 6'5", yes. Your back screams when you do dishes. No, not too bad. No? Mm -mm. Do you do it on a bar stool or something? No, I'm something called a dishwasher. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or it's just takeout. There's no yeah, dishes well, there to do. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're... Yeah. Washing that leftover bowl from your Lucky Charms yeah. isn't that demanding. Yeah. No, not too bad. <laughs> well, now see, we're in that awkward part where there's a few minutes to go and just not enough time to talk about anything meaningful. Do you have anything meaningful, Dan? No, Things coming not up. Not that I can squeeze in what in a minute and a half. Uh, two minutes. Two, two minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything going on today? Car shows. Uh, well, graduation. Graduation. Well, car shows. Father's Day. Car shows next weekend. That's next. The Pismo mm -hmm. ones next. Pismo, the big. Yeah, mm -hmm. the big one. Mm -hmm. well, yeah. What else? Mm. Wildfires, oil spills. Anything you need to talk about? Well, you know, we had some down there by Santa Barbara the other day. I heard about that. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No wildfires. Nothing like that. Mm -mm. <laughs> Dan's got, got nothing, nothing over there by the window. <laughs> got Anything interesting out the window today, Dan? <laughs> tell us. Tell no, us about, no. Tell us about baseball or something. I mean, surely you got to have something. No, nothing. Mike Trout hit another home run last night. I know that. <laughs> sure did. Yeah, he's tied tied now for yeah. third. In you the you've met the new A's bullpen. <laughs> That's going pretty well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they like to serve up home run balls, apparently. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, there is. There's a problem with that. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, we do have a whole nother hour of mortgage matters coming. And, um, <laughs> Believe it or not, we're gonna be we're gonna do better at wow. filling up that hour. Well, now. I mean, it's yeah. easier to fill an hour than it is two minutes. That's actually true in radio. I feel it definitely is because you mm -hmm. got to get yourself, you know. You can't Can move you, on to the next subject in two minutes. Yeah. What's that? The recipe for writing an essay? You got to have like a, a introductory comment and like a thesis. And then in the body, you got to develop it before you then have like a conclusion. I know I left a few <laughs> parts out there. I'm putting way too much into this. <laughs> you can't do that in two minutes. Yeah. So. It's the top the of the hour break. We got a few minutes here to get out there, get some coffee, grab some water, whatever you got to do. When you get back, you got another hour of Mortgage Matters, so keep it locked on. See you in a bit. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason.
<laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's 10.05 now. This is the original hour that we did um, way back when, so this is the good hour. It's always been the good hour. The is it actually happens. the original, original hour when you did the half-hour yep. show? 11 yeah, to 11.30. Well, we sh- well. Yeah. Hmm. Or, oh, yeah. So, it's not the original hour. It's the original hour Did it go 10.30 to 11.30? No. It was 11 to 11.30, and then we went... 11 to noon and then we got the 10 to 11 or 10 to noon Hmm. and then somehow we finagled our way into getting the 9 (sighs) to 11 Mm -hmm. dude we used to do 10 to 11 and then i think sure yeah then i think we added 11 to 12 because that the krill oil omega-3 fatty acids Mm -hmm. digester thing Mm -hmm. was always before us and that wasn't an option which we had an um, opportunity and then once that dropped we slid the whole two hours forward so this is still the original hour are you sure i think i think in the very very beginning it was 10 to 10 30 was our first spot Hmm. Hmm. okay yeah um you know what i was wrong once before though you you can ask my (laughs) wife about that so if i'm off that could be why Only once, huh? Yeah. I, I mean, Dying for Melanie to call in. Got to be exhausting <laughs> like, for everybody that knows me, I'm sure. I but, uh, sure. Might need more than a, than the hour we have left. <laughs> oh. oh, wait, there's the phone lighting up yeah, right there. <laughs> Tell me. Please. Please we'll be here. We'll have Jim screen it. Uh, <laughs> you got lucky. Oh, she's probably right going there. to tell me about. It. Well, you might not be wrong, a lot, but your grammar was sure poor on that one commercial. Uh, that's all right. We fixed that commercial. We got rid of it. <laughs> we fixed it. Well, we all know it's Marilyn from San Luis, so we'll just put Marilyn yeah. on the air. <laughs> morning, uh, Marilyn. Good morning, <clears throat> gentlemen. And I um, just have some comments about the first hour. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, you said men carry everything in their wallets. And a lot of men overstuff their wallets, and they always carry it in the same back pocket. Yep. And it causes hip problems. You ever heard that? Yeah, it's I've a problem. Heard that. But you know what? Uh, I do. Do you, I don't have a wallet in my pocket currently. Jim's is sitting on the table next to him. Yeah, mine's in, is remarkably thin. Yeah, I see. I keep a well organized, tidy wallet here. See that? Wow. Point Dan, well taken. Dan organized. Wow. Before I realized that I should take it out of my pocket while working, I used to put a stapler on yeah. the other side just so that I was even in my chair. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Uh, then about uh, the placement, open kitchen or closed. Yeah. Well, my house was built in the 60s, so everything is closed. Mm-hmm. But uh, one thing that I always wanted was to have a living room separate uh, that the children didn't have to go through to go someplace else. Sure. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, mm-hmm. a space that doesn't need to be the traffic corridor where right. you could still visit and, and relax. That's what I was trying to kind of refer to is like, you know, there's lots of times in the older houses you had like a galley kitchen where you had to go through the kitchen to get to the backyard right. or to the bedrooms or whatever. And it was just kind of like a pain. Yeah. Really. yeah. You, know, you know, in lending world, that ventures into what we call functional obsolescence. 
where there's something mm-hmm. about the circulation of the home that has an impact on its use and enjoyment, ultimately even the value at times. We still even see really weird stuff where you might have to go through um, a kitchen to reach a bedroom and that be the only way to a bedroom, which is a, mm-hmm. is a, um, it's frowned upon from lending. I'll say that. Yeah. So, so do you want some more compass? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, one thing we have, and I've never liked is having bathrooms right next to the entrance to the house. Yep. Agreed. And, Mine, we have a separate dining room, too. Well, it kind of joins into the living room. And if they don't close the bathroom door when they're through, you sit at the dining room table and look into the bathroom. Yeah. And I don't like that. And we have a very large kitchen, uh, about the same size as the living room. It's, you know, very large, but limited counter space. Hmm. I think and, that's because the older houses were just like designed and built and laid out everything like when it was predominantly male. So it just lacked an awful lot of brain. Everything was just for functionality. Well, when you come through the door, you might just want to use the head. So it's right there. And you can get a shot from there straight to the kitchen so, where you aren't going to have room to cut anything, but you can get a beer real quick. A few years ago, we had a huge Thanksgiving uh, dinner here. And I asked everything to, everyone is doing something, potluck. I just said, bring it prepared. And I had all the counters clean and everything, mine was all ready, and they bring it to prepare it. And so they bring the string beans and the whatever else and prepare it here. And I didn't like that. That's why I said the, you know, bring it prepared because of my limited counter space and only one could work at the sink at a time. Yeah. So <clears throat> those are some of the things. Yeah. <clears throat> but we didn't do as much outside barbecuing as they do now. Hmm. And I have uh, almost a quarter of an acre, I guess, uh, but very large backyard and Lots of decks and everything else, but now the dining room never gets used. Who uses china and sterling anymore? <laughs> you know, doesn't so, come out that often at our house either. Yeah, so it's kind of a wasted investment. But anyway, those are things that I've noticed changes. Yeah, interesting. Thanks, Marilyn. Thanks for the call. You're welcome. Thank you for being there. All right. Have a good day. My dining room probably has its most action on game night. That's where, you know, you can get around the big table and play games. We actually do use our dining room every to night. To dine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, we have the other little table, though, which <clears throat> yeah, I like you've to have eat more in. traffic over there because then it keeps the dining stuff nicer. So we don't have the eat-in kitchen, so the dining room is where the mess can be controlled. <laughs> right. And yeah, the uh, with the kids, you come to realize, and you're probably already well into this, is um, once they get out of that high chair where the tray contains a fair amount of mess, um, you have to have a table where you primarily feed where the, it's a smooth surface with no cracks yeah, to get the things grooves into. Are the problem, grooves are yeah. very problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, y- you'll get through all that. 
it's it's a fun thing yeah i'm i'm happy that we're pretty much over that although i mean i'm certainly not going to say my kids won't make a mess but at least they're not grinding banana down into the table <laughs> just because there's nothing better to do yeah yeah that's funny <laughs> when it in terms of um appraisals and stuff i mean that what started us on this and talking about this article is really that um there's preferences. Uh, this article goes so far as to say that the open kitchen actually would fetch you more, even if the the arguments as to why are weak. It seems like the the primary people that are out buying houses like that kind of thing. Um, I found that when I was buying my house and every time I went to go look at a house, it always felt like a, a process of elimination. There was no one house that had the things that I wanted, but I could quickly identify the deal killer of the property. All right, this one's out because of that. Mm -hmm. um, and just kind of working the way on through. I think it's interesting now, though, thinking about the homes that are being built today. It seems like there's some conflict of what's being described and planned for. Um, I, I saw a presentation recently um, for a new housing project in San Luis Obispo where some of these houses were um, 600 square feet houses, little tiny houses. They had some bigger houses incorporated too, but the idea was having different size houses for people at different um, phases in life. And I feel like that kind of makes sense, but we learned that over the um, the last year, the average size home in the u.s for a new home was like 2400 square foot house so building those bigger houses building all that extra space that's where you end up with the extra dining room or a second living room where there where it's not a traffic corridor um so i think it's kind of just an interesting thing to to try to wonder what people want because it seems like that's what people probably must want the majority of the time, if that's the, the average square footage for what's being built. But, you know, then when you get into these conversations, there's an awful lot of people that like the smaller, um, easier to heat and cool and maintain and, and keep clean house, something more reasonable that wants to go back to how houses were built in the forties and fifties of a, you know, you could build a three bedroom house that was only 1200 square foot. What do you think the average square foot home in San Luis Obispo County is? I think it's less than 2,400 square feet. Yeah, That's I do for sure. too. Yeah. I mean, are we talking just new construction or the overall housing inventory? I assume the 2,400 square feet was overall. So I would. No, that was for new build construction. Yeah, exactly. What the oh. new plan is calling for. Man, with the, the way builders try to squeeze density onto a lot. I, I would say that it's even smaller. Yeah. I think around here, there's a lot, a lot more of those. Well, and I think in part it's because where you have homes, communities with older homes in them is where you find those that obviously those houses still exist. And so they're going to be dragging that number down. I've got but, friends that live in one of those tiny houses, actually, that you see on like Tiny House Nation. Yeah. yeah. They love it. They do. Where is it's like it? a 200 square foot it's like house. Like one of those little, um, it's well. It's like one of those little log. It's by the Apple Hot Springs, actually. Okay. They rent one of those little log cabin things. Oh yeah. And, and you can rent those monthly, and they love it. Huh. Yeah. yeah. 
I was just looking at mm-hmm. um, those little tiny houses. Yeah. Um, there's an article, in fact, that I have up on my computer that I was already checking out. It's kind of a, a crazy thing. These 400 square foot, one bedroom cabin style homes. I mean, and Marilyn felt a little bit offended by being able to see the restroom from the dining area. Yeah. <laughs> the restroom is in the dining area in these houses. Um, they share a sink. <laughs> but I, I do. I, I was watching. Uh, there's a there's a tiny houses um, on on HGTV. I that think. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. TLC. I don't. One of them. One of them. Yeah. I can't say it'd be for me, but. They like it, and yeah, it's, um, I couldn't do that. But uh, I have too much kind of, stuff, yeah. and I well, you can't do it with kids. First of all, you can't live in two hundred square feet with other people. Not really. That's I pretty tough. It incorporate usually incorporates some kind of loft bedroom, so that mm-hmm. cuts right. out like anyone over the age of sixty, I think, because who mm-hmm. wants to be climbing ladders into your bed every night? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I was at some different phase in my life, I could probably like manage a, to live in a four hundred square foot house with my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you gotta, it's you a gotta too figure cozy. out where, where are you going to put all the other things? Well, oh. you simplify life. I mean, do you really need those material possessions? I guess not. I mean, no, I don't that's, know. That's the thing is you do. I mean, well, you don't, you don't, I mean, you do, but you don't, you don't have it. You don't my have garage it. is bigger mm-hmm. than that and it's pretty packed. I mean, I got mm-hmm. like my tools and my fishing poles and I got some bowling shoes. I mean, I got stuff I got to have. <laughs> right. With all the bowling you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Often do you get to go fishing? My, my camping gear. I got a bocce ball set. Right. Now I can't give up my camping gear. I have to have my uh, camping gear. Yeah. I cannot give that up. Where are you going to put that? Well, we need 400 yeah, square exactly. feet to store that stuff (laughs) my wife's got like her prom dress you know the old i got my old leatherman jacket we got stuff we need more room (laughs) necessities (laughs) got necessities plus we're we have like eight tvs in my house how do you work how are you gonna put eight tvs in a 400 square foot house that doesn't even seem fun you got a wall of tvs (laughs) like like, eating in a sports bar Uh, funny times. Um, hey guys, it's ten twenty now, so we got to do the commercial break here. Take some time out to thank the sponsors. Stick around after this short break for more mortgage matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call five four three eight eight three zero or eight hundred five four nine fifty eight thirty two. Mortgage matters on KVEC News Talk nine twenty. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Give yourself the best possible chance to buy your dream home with our 21-day close. We get you fully pre-approved before you find your house so you can write a shorter, easier offer and beat out the competition. It's time for you to be the offer that gets accepted. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328 For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. 
through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change. Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. Thanks for being with with us this now sunny Saturday. The sun has officially broken through. It's poked through. Yeah. Still looks a little cloudy. The cloud cover's dissipating. All those new graduates are roasting in the sun now. Congratulations (laughs) once again, graduates. Welcome to the real world. You might not know it by listening to the first hour and a half or so of Mortgage Matters, but... um, we show up here every Saturday to actually promote our business that we founded about eight years ago. Yep. Seven years ago, eight years ago. In an effort to gain more business. Yeah. We bring a very unique array of talents and experiences to our business that makes us a little bit different. Um, I think one of the one of the best assets that we have is our experience as operations mortgage operations members we uh both jason and i started our careers the first gosh six or seven years of our careers were not spent selling loans to consumers it was actually spent um underwriting and um you know developing loan products and interest rates that were competitive and uh and we 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 spent a lot of time on that and that's that's the the difference that we bring to central coast lending and so one of the things that we're really promoting now is our ability to efficiently process your loan. So that's one of the big issues in lending is timing, um, especially in a purchase. You want to be able to close escrow on time. There are other people, oftentimes you'll find that you've got a seller who's buying another house and they've got timing issues. So everything it's needs to go It's not uncommon right now that a transaction's like two or three deep like that, the little domino deals where... Yeah. This place has got to sell so they can get their their money to make the down payment on this place because when this place sells, then that one is where these buyers are 
um, you know, getting their money to buy that place. And it definitely adds a lot of pressure to the transaction. As you were starting to talk about it, I was, I was thinking, you know, one of the one of the biggest things I think that sets us aside is our operations experience, obviously. Um, and what that really translates to is a is an ability to see ahead of the curve a little bit, to know what's likely to come and what the next steps are, so that you're caught not caught off guard in a position of just reacting to another request, but rather you're making an attempt to to get something ahead of time and and try to have something prepared or a problem already solved before it's ultimately discovered. Yeah, I mean, that word reacting, I think I, I think that's key. That's the norm in the industry. It really is. And one of the things that that just it's true, um, if for no other reason than it just is, is that it's a it's a lucrative business. I mean, a lot like real estate, there's a lot of people that look at what we do and say, well, that looks easy. And the people that do it seem to drive nice cars, so they must make a lot of money. And so I, I can do it too. And you think about the difference between somebody that's new versus somebody that's been on the job for a handful of years. The new person is going to be almost learning what happens as it happens in in your as a chaperone to your client you're not really going to be the best at um helping avoid pitfalls or manage time sensitive things in a way that's going to actually add value to your client if you're sort of learning of the new information when they are um we try to put a lot more focus in on the front side to getting those documents that need to be received, but then not just getting them and throwing them in the file to be forwarded on, but actually looking them over. Hey, does this document need a correction now? Did the HR department make an omission on this form that is going to make the form unusable? Is there something that we could do with this today um, looking farther ahead? And and truly, that becomes invaluable. Um you know, I'll give you a good example is when I get an appraisal in and lately the appraisers are really busy. Appraisals have been taking longer and longer. Um, but when we get an appraisal in, most loan officers are just going to cue it into the, the file and say, you know what, regardless of what I think about this appraisal, the uh, underwriter is going to tell us whether or not it's acceptable. Um, so there's not even any point. Most loan officers don't even open the appraisal. Uh, but I open them and you know, sometimes, uh, the appraiser sent you a correctly labeled file where the report itself is for the wrong property. Um, things like that can avoid delays if you can catch something so simple, but likewise on an appraisal, you know, we know that every home needs smoke alarms in each bedroom and, and CO2 detectors in the hallways and around the living space and the, the water heater needs to be double strapped. And these are things that are going to be the same on every transaction. And you can crack into it and get a look at that and know that, oh, hey, yeah, the the appraisal is in the queue for the underwriter to go sign off. But I can tell you already that it needs to have the water heater strapped. So I can get on the horn with the real estate agent or the borrower, whoever it is that's involved and say, you guys need to get underway today to getting that real that uh, water heater strapped needs to be double strapped according to state law for earthquake code. Um, you also need to add carbon monoxide detectors, just giving people those extra few heads up days to get their um, wagon circled and make sure that they're uh, working ahead of the curve makes a huge difference. Um, 
there, and that's just one example. There literally are examples um, that we could go through on every one of these things, you know, like assets, for example. When when we get your bank statements, uh, underwriting, the guidelines are, are in their purest form. Any deposit that's not a payroll direct deposit is going to be questioned. Hopefully, if they're less than 10% of the balance of the account or don't seem too unusual, underwriting won't string you up over it. But, you know, when we open up your bank statements, we see that there's three, four, five deposits that seem unusual. We can go ahead and ask and, and begin the, the sourcing as we understand that process well ahead of what the underwriter is going to require. And sometimes it's you got your tax return or your grandma sent you 500 bucks for your birthday. Lucky, lucky you, huh? That's a good grandma. Yeah. <laughs> I've not, my grandma's never done that for me. But anyway, you get the point is being able to, to not only know what's going to be required, but also know when that document comes in, whether or not it's going to be acceptable. And is there something that we could do today to make the process a little bit easier and prevent all of those delays at the back end of the transaction, which frankly leads us right into this 21 day close that we've been marketing and talking about where the desire here is to make our way through that sticky part of the process. Um, every loan, I always tell my people, this is every loan's like a snowflake. You know, there, there are no two that are the same, and that's just a fact. They're not the same. Even this, even doing a loan for a client a year after you've done their previous loan, it's already a new loan. There are different, um, all the different things that go into that. The requirements are different um, from a purchase to a refi. In any case, point being is that because no two loans are the same, um, what the opportunity for things to be the messiest it's on the borrower. You had that divorce that led to that short sale and then you did some credit counseling and now you're, you're back and you're ready to buy. Um, that is always a, a bigger and harder to tackle issue than what, what's going to be revealed by the appraisal or the title report. Um, so when we offer the 21 day close, what we have is clients that are coming in to be evaluated uh, really for everything that we consider the credit package. Like uh, in the loan transaction, the buyer or the borrower is really the credit package. That worthiness, ability to repay, character, um, you know, it's how we're going to look at whether or not you paid your rent on time. Um, and, you know, even other things we sort of glean from this, like how many jobs have you had? Yesterday, one of the loan officers shouted out from the other room, hey, have you ever had it where there's not enough space to put in enough jobs? And you know what the the underwriter in me said? Man, you're already starting out from a pretty weak place. How come you can't um, f room for five employers won't describe what you've been doing for the last 24 months? Are That's you not really demonstrating stability in averaging less than five months a rip on jobs? That's I mean, it just makes me feel like you've you've got a disagreeable personality or something. And and that's going to have an impact on your ability to repay. Um, so so really what I want to focus on here is getting the borrower underwritten getting their credit worthiness established. And then once they're into a, a transaction, then all we have to worry about is the uh, the title report, which tells us whether or not 
Um, there's any issues with title, anything that would prevent the seller from being able to convey the property to the buyer. Um, it gives us an idea of whether there are any CCNRs or deed restrictions or anything with the property. By and large, they're not. We don't generally find that there are title-related issues that would create lending problems. Um, and then uh, lastly, you're just talking an appraisal to get an appraisal that... Um, Buyer and seller agree on a price. It's usually pretty reasonable. If anything, you know, it might be slightly on the high side, but even if it is, that's something that's relatively simple to navigate. We, we seldom see deals blow up over an appraisal or, or a title report. So if you come in for the 21-day close and get yourself fully pre-approved, um, then when you select your property, the transaction is very simple and there are a lot less potential landmines that you might step on. Um, and so I wanted, I kind of wanted to just describe a real live scenario about, um, a borrower that might utilize this. For example, um, we have a client that we're working with right now on this process, which ultimately is going to be a 21 day close client where, um, have some complicated stuff. I mean, in, in lending world, if it's very, very simple, those are the easiest loans. Well, oh, you've worked for the state for 28 years and you have 50% equity. You're paid on a W-2 and you have an 800 credit score. Um, granted, no two loans are the same, but that's a scenario that's kind of familiar. And we look at that and say, that's fantastic. We have some procedural stuff to get through and you just sit tight while we walk it out versus the next guy that comes in that's like, well, I'm a member of this partnership. I'm the sole owner of this other LLC. I do work part-time for the school. Um, you know, I have a 690 credit score because yeah, there's like four collections, but one of them is for T-Mobile. Uh, I got a T-Mobile phone and they just, you know, it didn't even work at all and they wouldn't let me out of the deal. So now I have a $400 T-Mobile collection. You know, you kind of just, you line up all these things and say, that's not nearly as cut and dry. But what we want is when you're out writing an offer to buy a piece of real estate, that you're confident. Have you ever been in a position, Dan, where you needed to get a loan and weren't confident that you were going to get it? Me personally? Yeah. No. I'm expecting that you'd say no. Um, no. <laughs> I've been in the position before where I needed to get a loan and wasn't confident that I was going to get it. Um, and it's a terrible feeling. You feel judged. You feel a little bit inadequate. Um, you know, and for me, it was just in part of like being young and having a family. And, you know, in, in the beginning, like my, my first job after college, newsflash for all you graduates, when I graduated from Cal Poly, um, back in the early 2000s, the best job that I could get paid me 3000 bucks a month. And um, I, I wasn't racking up the savings making three grand a month. And so I, I, I never felt like I was in a great spot to be buying or borrowing anything. Um, but point being, you feel judged, you feel inadequate, you feel uncertain, and then you, you're you reluctant to want to waste a real estate agent's time or whatever. So in this scenario, if you feel questionable at all, if you feel like you might buy but you don't want to waste a bunch of people's time because you feel inadequate or you feel judged or you know that you have a skeleton in your closet that um, 
you're you're afraid is going to be the Achilles heel in the loan transaction. Those are the people that we're inviting to come forward and get get a pre-approval where we can do all of those things. And and you're not in a real estate transaction. So if it blows up, you've not offended any real estate agent. You haven't bothered anybody. You haven't wasted anyone's time. Uh, I say that and you're probably thinking, well, what about you, my loan officer? Um, believe me, uh, we kiss a lot of toads looking for that prince. So it's never a problem for us to do another pre-approval. Um, but it's a great opportunity for anybody that does uh, and I don't want to make it sound like it's only for those people that have sticky situations where it's not cut and dry, because it is also for people that uh, have their act together and know that they're no credit risk whatsoever, but want to do the heavy lifting before they actually get into the transaction, just to make the transaction simpler. Well, and it's it's something we strive for just to make for a smooth, enjoyable process. You know, whether or not you need to close in a short period of time um, or not, I, I, you know, we, we're working with some clients right now who they have a 60 day escrow. That's so much time to get a loan completed. We have their loan ready for docs, ready for their final loan documents on day 15 of a 60 day escrow. So we're just sitting here waiting for 45 days to pass. I tell you what they're not doing. They're not worrying about their rate lock. They're not worrying about whether or not they're going to get approved. They're not worried about Yeah, and I'll anything. stop you right there because most people are worrying. <laughs> they're waiting and they're wondering. And they. it's a really common thing for people that are buying a home, especially when it's their dream home. They have this like this little piece of them just believes that it's going to something's going to come up. It's too good to be true. I don't deserve that house. Um, so... Now you're juggling this. You have a give a notice to your landlord. You have to give a 30-day notice. And when do you give that notice? Um, you don't if you wait all the way until your deal is actually consummated, then you've waited too long and now you're paying for two houses at the same time. If you give that 30-day notice too soon, and then what happens? If your deal falls apart, your landlord's already given the property over to somebody else by way of contract. Now you need to move to go be a tenant again, or worse yet, to find yourself in a transaction of very high pressure where now you need to buy a house in 21 or 30 days, and you're really going to regret going down that road. So doing this also, just it just gives you that sense of peace of, you know what, I can, I can put in my notice. I can transfer the utilities, I can schedule those movers, and I can do all of this without feeling at all like anything is going to turn into a pumpkin on me. Yeah, these folks who are clear to close on day 15 of their 60-day escrow, they're spending the next 45 days just getting excited about their new home. You know who else is excited about it? The realtors. Right, yeah. it's All they can say is, wow. Yeah, that, I was called, I was recently, would you believe I was name called at work, Dan? You know, I was a called, good name or a bad name? I was called remarkably sufficient. Oh, that's remarkably sufficient? Yep. And I think they meant efficient, but I <laughs> okay. took it nonetheless. I think that. Um, I was like, I'm, I'm happy to suffice for you. Um, but <laughs> the, the reality was is that it was one of those situations where we were fully prepared to close um, having started after the other concurrent transaction, which was being um, by all banks. I, I know I pick on Wells Fargo so much in here, but it was a Wells Fargo loan officer was representing 
this other couple that was buying the home that my buyers were selling in order to buy their new house. How's that? Just weaved you through that one. Um, anyways, they they had a 60-day escrow because they needed to sell their house. Um, and then we ended up with a 45-day escrow because we started like 40 days in. And we had docs in escrow before the original one that had more than a month head start on us. So um, that's how I got called uh, remarkably um, sufficient. But um, meaning efficient. Efficient, yeah. yeah. An- another reason why you might want to enjoy a shorter loan processing timeline is it the market's fairly competitive. And like you were saying earlier in the show, as rates go up, it's obvious to people that that affordability is declining. And if you're thinking about getting into a home, now's the time before right. it gets even more unaffordable. So in a competitive market where supply is still very limited, um, the ability to make an offer that's that's a shorter close is very attractive to a seller. Right. You know, because there are other people who are coming up with cash and they're, they're able to close a loan transaction in two weeks. Right. And so if you can compete with that, even though you're getting financing, maybe you're saying, you know what, I'm already approved. Here's a copy of my loan approval to prove to you that I'm I'm ready to go and can do this quickly. That's that's a lot of strength in your one corner. more and one more benefit. I mean, we could probably come up with benefits for a while, but I, I want to tie this back to what we were talking in the first part of the show about interest rate volatility. When you have a transaction like this where you need some time to get through it, um, you know, we lock interest rates for the term of your loan. In other words, at some point in the process, we need to lock it through the date that you're actually going to close. Um, because that those longer term locks, nobody really knows. Dan, what's the stock market going to be in two months? I wish I knew. You have no idea. And anybody that represents to know something about that is is misrepresenting themselves. Your, uh, but I could say um, with some higher level, not not any certainty. But what's it going to be in fifteen days? If if you needed to make a some sort of a snap call on whether you're going to, you know, is Dow going to be at nineteen thousand in two months, or is it going to be at nineteen thousand in fifteen days? And you could say no. 15 days, absolutely not 19 or two, you know, two months. I don't know. But in terms of locking loans, you can get a shorter term lock for a lot better deal than a longer term lock. That's, that's just really one great takeaway from this. So if you come in and you get yourself fully pre-approved, not only can you offer a shorter uh, escrow period to that would be seller to beat out the competition, to compete with those cash buyers, but you're also setting yourself in a position to be able to execute in 21 days. So you could take a 21 or even a 30 day lock to give yourself a little bit of wiggle room in there um, and be getting uh, a better interest rate, better closing costs for being able to do a shorter term. So in in, in what right now, um, I mean, are we in an increasing interest rate environment? Yes. Safe to say. Yes. So... That's where you really need to be efficient. You could make a lot of money for yourself by um, being able to be quick. And people always ask these questions, so it seems like a good spot to just sort of um, insert here about a lock. Your loan lock is good um, for the borrower and the property. 
So you can't lock an interest rate with a property to be determined. Uh, every now and again, I see some companies that sort of dangle that carrot, like, hey, we'll lock today's market for you before you've even selected your property. All that means is they're hedging their bet so far worse that you're getting a bum deal just for being a sucker. Um, but again, your lock is based on you and the property. So if we, if, if we want to lock you uh, for a shorter term, it needs to be once you've identified the property. And if you've already done half of the work by getting yourself fully pre-approved, then um, you obviously you could take advantage of a shorter lock term. Whew. There you go. I told you, dude, this 45 minutes was way easier than that last two minutes of that last <laughs> hour, wasn't it, Dan? It was a lot yeah. easier. Yeah, indeed. It's already time now for the final commercial break of the show. Um, Jim's lined up some doozies here for you. Uh, you're absolutely going to love the advertisements coming. So sit tight and see how I try to do kind of, it was like, I was Euro chic right there. Mm -hmm. Advertisement. Yeah. Do you do that one? Yeah. Sure. And then we hook them into the listing of the last, uh, 15 minutes of the show. Yep. Yeah. Lots All of right. great stuff coming up and you're going right. to miss it if you're not here. That's right. Yeah. Basically, right? And no, you know, actually, sometimes the last 15 minutes of the show is the, the best fifteen. Action. There it is. Yeah, it's true. Make a prediction. How do you think the last 15 minutes are going to go today? I think it's going to be slow. You do? Yeah. <laughs> I think lots it's a people, slow day today. People, graduation. <laughs> I like about Dan. He's honest to a fault. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to do this commercial break. We'll be back in a few minutes with more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. 
through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change. Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, man, see, we did all that talking about what we we're going to do the last 15 minutes. Now we're right down here to about 11 minutes to go. <laughs> Fancy. See what we did Killed there? four minutes with the with the. Dan said it was going to be slow. It's going to be the, f- the fastest 15 got, minutes you've ever had got, before, Dan. You better start talking <laughs> fast right now. We got a call on hold, too. We got a call. We got, we can, lots of Check business to take out. care of. All right. Well, we should, we should do that now. Let's do it. All right. We've got Joan calling from Baywood Park. <laughs> I was just wondering if you guys ever have programs on uh, reverse mortgage, uh, because I really feel that uh, a lot of these senior citizens would like to know more about it. Uh, I listen to Dave Ramsey all the time, and I love him dearly, but there's one thing he does not uh, approve of is the reverse mortgage. And to tell yeah. you the truth, I don't know where I'd live today if it wasn't for reverse mortgage. And uh, anyway, Dan... Jason, are you there? Yeah. Yes, we are. I, <laughs> okay. We have anyway, done... Anyway, I was just uh, yeah, wondering. We... I listen to your program and uh, learn a lot. But as I say, I think more seniors should know that, uh, you know, it is available. I appreciate and, uh, that, Joan. And and you know what? We'll, we'll go ahead and do a segment on it going forward. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I always feel a little bit weird about reverse mortgages because um, I think in one respect they kind of have a bad rap because it's a very misunderstood loan program. And that's, that's one of the reasons I actually like to discuss it is just to kind of break I, down some absolutely, of those myths. Absolutely, and I think it should be discussed because yeah. I'll tell you the people that I feel don't like it primarily are the heirs. Yeah, well, and you <laughs> know what? Say that, but, that comes uh, up you in... You know, the heirs are people who might inherit property from elderly people. You're right about that. It comes up in every transaction that I do with somebody, a reverse mortgage. But here's what I tell them. Um, You know, generally speaking, the money that you're the... the senior borrower is paying towards the existing mortgage every month. Um, Mm -hmm. If let's say you get a pension, you get your social security, you get whatever, and you use that to pay the mortgage. Um, So they say, well, don't do a reverse mortgage because you're just going to just waste out all of my equity. (laughs) That's what the heir is thinking. But the reality of it is then is that most of those seniors, if they, if they do have some income are going to begin setting that aside because they don't spend through all that money anyway. So you're inheriting some liquid asset on top of a property that actually has some equity in it too. Oh, I'll so, tell you, I didn't have that much equity. I had, uh, but what I got in the mail was a check for $36,000. And I'll tell you, it made me very happy to hold that. <laughs> yep. Uh, that's just probably the amount of equity that I had in it at the time. Yeah. And uh, they do give, uh, they'll pay you equity. Uh, as my experience and the little bit I know about reverse mortgage is that 
you can be paid either fully in cash for your equity or monthly they can send you a check. I mean, there is so much to learn about it. Right. It's and a, uh, I just think it needs to be, you know, the public should know more about it because seniors, uh, many of them, many of us are moving on, and we're, we're not able to handle business the way we used to. And I think everything we can do to help people who are, uh, sure. you know, in a situation that can uh, take advantage of reverse yeah. mortgage. Because to tell you the truth, I've had it since 2002, and where this old lady would live today, I have no idea. Right. I have no idea, because it's, it's been a godsend to me. Who knows? I might live another 10, 15 years. <laughs> and you'll be happy to not be making a mortgage payment all the while. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I understand what you where, where you're coming from. But um, anyway, I think it would be an advantage to uh, a lot of seniors to know yeah. a little bit more about it and the cool. choices that they have. Joan, thank you very much for the phone call today, and uh, we'll definitely heed your advice and talk a little bit more about that in coming shows. Okay, I think you'll get a lot of calls. Yep, all right, thanks. <laughs> I really always do love um, reverse mortgage conversation, and I'll tell you what, of all of the loans that we do, those are some of the most gratifying, um, especially where... Uh, it, you know, because you got to be 62, and I'm not saying I think 62 is old, but um, you got a lot of life experience under your belt at 62. And when you're when you come forward with some complexity, whether it's you know medical expense related or just struggling to make ends meet, sometimes it's a, a combination of a lot of things. But to to be able to lift that weight from people is pretty exciting. And I and seldom do you have people that are more grateful than the reverse mortgage clients. And um, but yeah, you know, I'll tell you, I I like talking about reverse mortgages because it uh it it helps provide a forum where we can dispel some of those myths and help people understand them a little bit better. At the same time, um, I think. Because people don't necessarily see it that way, they just assume that when you're talking about it, it's your desire to hoodwink seniors into a loan program that screws their their finances up and takes equity out of their heirs. And, um, you know, so it, it sort of it's kind of a loaded topic, but um, point well taken. And we'll definitely uh, in coming weeks here, we'll revisit it and, and probably do a whole segment on reverse mortgages. I couldn't agree more just from that standpoint of being able to help people um, get in, uh, involved in a loan product that can totally change your life. Um, I, I'm flooded right now just thinking about people that I've helped do reverse mortgages and, and the feedback we get about how much it's changed their life. Yeah, I'm thinking about a, a woman in particular from years back. There was no money left over after paying the basic utilities and mortgage payment for her to do anything. Right. She had to stay at home because, you know, her friends are going out to dinner and are going out to movies and, and she can't even afford to do those simple things. Right. And just the ability to be able to afford to, I mean, cause you, I mean, it's one thing to, to get money just to spend it frivolously, but just to, you, you still want to enjoy life in your retirement years and you want to be able to enjoy life with your friends or go out to simple pleasures like dinner or a movie and, and if you can't even afford those things, it's like, you know, this isn't even an enjoyable end to my life. I well, especially be able to... if you're if you're kind of forcing yourself into the position like that scenario you describe as somebody that um, can't meet the basic needs and then have any discretionary money left for fun. 
And by the way, fun is like sending your grandkids a birthday present. I mean, those are the kind of things we're talking about with fun. Um, there, uh, there's a couple that I'm thinking of right now where a couple years ago, uh, Mr. Passed away and, um, we had done a reverse mortgage for them just a few months beforehand. And, um, how lucky to have done that and got that stuff positioned the way that it is now. Uh, the great thing about reverse mortgages is there's not really a qualification for it. So it's a, it's like you have the equity and you're old enough or you don't, it doesn't have to do with your credit history or how much money you make. Um, so in any case, we'll definitely talk more about reverse mortgages and, um, see if we can find another success story of, uh, somebody that we could really help out with that. You guys have got the sense of it a little bit already. We talked a lot about, um, this, this last hour here, um, Dan and I, as he said, share some unique experience in this mortgage business from having grown up in the operation side of it. Uh, we're the people that made the credit decisions, trained the staff, came up with loan programs and built rate sheets. We, we did so much in the operation side of the business before we came out to be the frontline uh, salespeople for a mortgage company. So that's what we're doing today. Uh, we're helping people get uh, get their ducks in a row to be able to get the kind of financing they need to walk out whatever it is they're after. Sometimes it's a reverse mortgage where we got to uh, return the quality of life to somebody. Sometimes it's a purchase of a second home at the lake. Sometimes it's your first time home purchase. Whatever it is that you're after, if you need some help and you want to uh, hire the big guns to to come in and help you. That's what we do. Um, it's it's all things related to residential real estate. Uh, and I always want to remind everybody, folks, it's never a good idea to qualify or disqualify yourself from the couch. Um, you know, I, I I won't come to your place of work and make representation of, of trying to understand or be the expert on what you do. Um, I'm your mortgage expert and love it if you'd call our company and let us walk you through that. Let us tell you whether or not you qualify. Let us tell you um, and oftentimes surprise you that that collection or that bankruptcy or that short sale is not the deal killer that you think it is. Um, let us tell you whether or not you qualify. Um, we offer all the loan programs, all the loan types. Like I said, it's everything residential real estate. So if you want to give us a call this week to come in and get uh, get yourself in line for that 21-day close, get yourself pre-approved, maybe evaluate a refinance. Um, we were talking about the fact that those are just mathematical. If the math makes sense or it doesn't. So um, if you want to come in and, and see how to work that formula, that's what we're here to help you with. The number is 543-LOAN which is 543-5626. Additionally, you guys can venture on over to the web where you can get to know us. We got some pictures of our own mugs on there, but um, contact information, loan application, ways to get a hold of us. Check that out at centralcoastlending.com. Congratulations again to all the graduates. We'll be back next week with another live episode of Mortgage Matters. Thanks for being with us.